A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Welcome, friends, to another r slash malicious compliance video. We've got a crazy story today of somebody getting punished for working too hard. But first, a story from Crazy Kill Kids. You want us to toast sandwiches with a broken toaster? Sure. I work at a sandwich place. Despite the town being 75% restaurants, everyone seems to want to eat here instead. Unfortunately, during our remodel, the toaster broke. Won't turn on. We have another toaster the owner put here that is also broken. It doesn't fully warm things up. We tell the owner, and he suggests we can just use the broken toaster. The compliance? We have to toast all the sandwiches on a broken toaster. You know that King of the Hill episode where they introduce water-efficient toilets that they have to flush as many as seven times? Well, that's how the broken toaster works. We have to toast all the sandwiches in a 5-10 to second interval. And it doesn't heat up all the way, meaning they can be in there several minutes and still be lukewarm. We warned you, owner and customers, especially the Junior Karens of America, that the toaster will take a long time to fully warm up the sandwich. You still had to have your freaking rotisserie chicken. Massive pileup after massive pileup at the toaster as we try to toast the sandwiches in something worse than an easy bake oven. It's what you wanted, so that's what you get. Our next story is from Ewit78. Light bags? You got it. I work at the chain with the big yellow sign. Since the story takes place in New York State, we use cheaply made paper bags. This morning a lady came in and while checking out told me, don't make the bags too heavy. Easy enough, I only put a few things in each bag. One bag had a 2 liter of soda and a bag of chips. The lady grabbed the bag too quickly for its cheap making, and the bag split. Now this has happened before, very cheap bags. Normally the customer and I laugh it off, I get them a new bag and they hold it more carefully. Not today. Our dear Karen gave me a death glare and said, I said not to make them heavy. Are you dumb? Ooh boy, did that hit a nerve. So I decided, okay, I'll make them not heavy. I started over bagging everything. Except this time, I have every item in its own bag. Five ounce bag of chips? In a bag. Two things of Easter grass? Two more bags. She left with 12 bags and would not make eye contact the rest of the transaction. Hope they were light enough. I think one of the best things I've seen baggers do as a precaution when bagging stuff like a 2 liter bottle is they go and they double bag it, so it just is way less likely to break through. This next story is from an anonymous poster. What time does it start? Hmm, let us see. My first job was at a movie theater, and by the time I was promoted to the ticket booth, I knew how oblivious customers could be. Example, working concessions, someone asks what candy we have. Well, sir or ma'am, if you look at the lighted glass box you're leaning on, you can see what we have. We had a movie showtimes posted in two places. One was pretty big on the wall facing the ticket booth about 50 feet away. The second is in the ticket booth, which we call the fishbowl hanging from the ceiling. It was very clearly visible if you were standing in line waiting to purchase your tickets. The customer could also turn around and see the larger sign. I also had the info for the next start time on the point of sale. If there was a line waiting to buy tickets, and someone asked, What time does X movie start? I would point to the opposite wall, wasn't going to make aware customers wait, so they'd have to get back in line and wait another few minutes. 
but if there wasn't a line and someone asked, I would slowly turn around, lift my arm, and start slowly pointing to each time of every movie. If the movie was on the bottom row, I'd start on the top row and vice versa. Once I found the closest time, I would turn around, again, slowly, and let them know. It was probably unnecessarily satisfying to see the shame on their faces. I think it just goes to show no matter what you can do, no matter where you are, no matter how obvious you try to make it for people, there's just going to be those that are oblivious to just about everything. I guess they just aren't the type of people to have the gumption to look around and try to discover for themselves. This next story is from Sleepy Femboy. Gonna cry to mama? I think not. So when I was about seven, I shared a room with my sisters. My oldest sister was 14 and the middle sister, I'm the youngest, was about 12. My mama was probably in her early 30s, maybe mid. We had bunk beds, and since I moved at night, I usually slept at the bottom, with one of my sisters blocking the out part, and one slept the top. One night I wanted to sleep on the top, but was told no. I kept pushing, until my mama said, fine, don't come crying to me when you fall. Guess what happened? I fell, but I didn't tell my mama that night. The next day I walked down the stairs saying my arm hurt and my mama was confused and asked me to lift a water bottle up, so I tried but didn't succeed after we found out I broke my collarbone. And my mama asked, why didn't you tell me? I said, you asked me not to. So now my mama feels guilty even after 7 years. I'm now 14, she's 39 or 40, my oldest sister is 21, and my middle sister is 19. I'm not gonna lie, if you're a restless sleeper that is very capable of rolling around a lot at night, that top bunk does seem like it might be a little bit of a scary thing. I remember one time I was at a retreat thing with a bunch of kids around my age, this was probably around 12, 13, 14, and they had this room with like 6 or 7 bunk beds, so we all spread out and you know, boys being boys, we'd love to go on the top bunk and sleep there. I wasn't able to sleep very well, and I just remember in the middle of the night at some point hearing a really loud boom, and it was the sound of somebody that had rolled off the top bunk and landed on their back on the ground. Thankfully they were totally okay, but if I were them I'd be scared of ever going anywhere near bunk beds. Our next story is from External Music. Under no circumstances do you send two people on breaks at the same time. Sure I can do that. Have fun dealing with the mess. I was told by my assistant manager to never send two people at the same time for breaks. So the next day, I scheduled every break I had with none overlapping. I wasn't even done with the first coffee before I should have been on lunches. So I went to the store manager and asked for some help and some tips, as her policy is if you need help, ask. She reads it, realizes no one's been on lunch yet, and asks me why. So I tell her yesterday, I was told under no circumstances am I to ever send two people at the same time. The store manager sends me for lunch, calls my assistant manager in the office, and I return an hour later. Store manager tells me the assistant manager is on the floor, she's covering breaks for you. She's to remain on the floor until you're ready and caught up. If you need anything covered or any breaks done, get that done before you send her on any breaks. So satisfying telling my boss you're spending the day in cosmetics. That sounds like a really good store manager that just knows how things should work and has people's backs, so good on them. By the way, if you're enjoying these stories, make sure to hit those like and subscribe buttons down below so you never miss any of my daily uploads. They're chocked full of awesome stories like our final story of the day by Asian Clooney, Moss tries to give disciplinary action for working too hard. 
Midway through my career, I found myself working for the most prominent private college in my state. I was in the IT department and was in charge of maintaining a few servers and all of the technology in the classrooms. Every summer, we would receive our budget for the year, and the part of the budget I managed was spent mostly on upgrading the audio and video presentation systems in the classrooms. And most of that work had to take place during the summer. This is fine normally, but our college administration had created a ticking time bomb for me a few years before. They decided to spend about $100,000 on a few classrooms, but did not allocate any money in our budget to replace that equipment when it would eventually fail. I'd been there for five years, and now that equipment was starting to fail. Increasing our budget was not an option, despite faculty growing to depend on the equipment in these spaces. I was left to figure out how to make the same budget replace all of the equipment in those spaces as well as the normal set of classrooms that would need to be upgraded elsewhere. Fine, I was up for the challenge. I had to simplify and purchase more value brands of equipment and do extra work to cut corners. A couple of weeks of shipping delays for the majority of the equipment saw me with roughly one month to rip out, replace, rewire, and configure around 15 classrooms as well as update and test all of the existing classrooms within about a month before the semester began. Realizing the amount of work ahead of me, I began working. I came in every day of the week for 28 days straight, working 8-10 to 10 hours to ensure that when the semester began, the professors would have working equipment. I was salary so I didn't have to clock in. This gave me the freedom of scheduling to work as little or as much as required. I worked myself sick and was literally sick at the end of the 28 days. My supervisor was a guy we recently hired, let's call him Gus. Near the beginning of the semester, while testing equipment, I realized that the audio driver and a common model of computer that we have in the classrooms was corrupted. Investigating it, I realized that the computer manufacturer had corrupted drivers on their web server, where we downloaded it from. I asked my supervisor who was in charge of managing the image deployment server to rebuild the image with a non-corrupt version of the driver I had provided him. He said he would. I swing by the next day and ask him if he'd completed the rebuild. He had not. I tell him I really need it as the semester loomed closer and closer, and he tells me he will work on it. Next day, nothing. Day after that, nothing. Finally, he figures it out, and I continue my work. He must not have liked being pressured, and perhaps the perception that he was incompetent, he was, must have gotten to him. He decides to power trip and call me into his office and ask why I was working so much. I explained the administrative oversight a few years prior, shipping delays, cheaper equipment, extra required work, and his delaying of a working image. I tell him, look, I came in day after day after day asking for that rebuilt image. Each time I said a day, I'm poking my finger straight down on the edge of his desk, enough that it makes a sound to emphasize that those delays hurt the work I was doing. He wanted to find some personal failing that he could pull out some form of disciplinary action around. I gave him none. Eventually, he ran out of ideas, and I left his office, not thinking much of it. Gus, however, was a brown noser of the highest order. He would follow our IT director like a puppy. He joined a band with my IT director, so my work situation was not exactly fair. The semester began, and not a single issue in all of the classrooms was reported. I was proud of the work I was able to complete given the challenges. The second day of the semester, my IT director calls me into his office. 
There, Gus is sitting beside him, and they both want to talk to me. I don't like the looks of this. My IT director starts asking me about why I was working so much. I explain to him as I did Gus the various factors that made this summer's work extra challenging. This destroyed any valid criticism they could muster. Gus goes on to say that he innocently inquired about my work and that I became violent, talking about the gesture I made on his desk, illustrating his failure to do his work in a timely manner. I demonstrate exactly what I did on the IT director's desk to show how ridiculous claim it was. My IT director wanted to exert his authority, and they would not stop until they had something to discipline me with. Nothing I would say would change the result. I was to be in trouble for whatever transgression they imagined up in this meeting. I make sure to point out how long it took Gus to do the small task that I depended on, knowing I could have completed it in about an hour. He was incompetent. My IT director then alludes to the fact that I should respect Gus more, as he's my supervisor. Screw it, I think to myself. I then tell my director, It's as if Justin Bieber was trying to teach you about music theory. It's only going to piss you off. This sudden, sharp, and, in my opinion, hilarious comparison was too funny. Both Gus and my IT director immediately laughed their butts off, even though Gus was the subject of this insult. Once they had stopped laughing, my IT director put on a more serious tone. He says that I could manage my time better, despite the unique circumstances of this summer's work. His voice gets really soft and slow while he's talking to me now. This is a trick he forgot he told me that he uses in arguments to make the other person seem like they're out of control. It's condescending, as if spoken to as a child. And now he's using it on me. He tells me that he wants me to take some time management classes also to take a couple days off and think about it. I just want you to think about it. However, he's going to need my keys and badge. Cue malicious compliance. At this point, he's provided me enough evidence that this is not a job I want to stay at. The absurdity of working so hard and for 28 days straight on salary with no extra pay and to be rewarded with a disciplinary action was too much. That in that moment, I had thought about it. Without saying anything, I hand over my badge. I took all of the many keys off my keyring and set them on his desk. I have thought about it, I tell him in the exact soft and condescending tone he used with me, and you can keep the keys and badge. I told him with the biggest wry smile on my face. I then walk to my office. He follows me, and I notice his eyes had become glassy, as if he was hurt by the situation unfolding before him. He expected me to capitulate and accept his punishment for a job well done. He kept saying, I just want you to think about it, with each time becoming increasingly desperate. And I kept repeating, I have thought about it. He disappears back into his office with his little minion Gus to discuss damage control. I quickly pen an email to all my other co-workers letting them know I was leaving and that I enjoyed working with them. I had to work quick, as I knew they would shut down all of my accounts very quickly. I packed up my personal effects and left. Gus and my IT director offered to help me, trying to walk back the situation with some small gesture of goodwill. But I was gone. I had been there for five years, but I was willing to walk away the moment he tried to treat me like so poorly. I found out a little later that the week before I left, a programmer we hired left after he treated her poorly too. I wasn't aware of the reason she left when she did, but our office manager shared that she quit abruptly like me without anything lined up, given his behavior. 
About a year later, I hear from the office manager that the IT director had left. Rumor is that he primarily was working for another company while in his office at the college, effectively double dipping or making money for two jobs while only doing one. He had been caught doing so and was warned by the administration to stop. He opted to leave instead of owning up to his own dubious behavior. My only regret is that I didn't leave that job sooner. Needless to say, this is a stunning example of you don't quit bad jobs, you quit bad managers. These people were horrendous. OP did so much and went above and beyond and they treated them like crap. If there's anybody above these two bozos, I hope that they can honestly like see the outcome of what happened and realize how bad they should feel for allowing those two people to drive it straight into the ground like that. But with that being said, that's all the time we have for today. So of all these stories I've read today, which is your favorite and why? Let me know in the comments down below. And if you haven't yet, if you could like and subscribe, that would mean a lot to me. Whatever you do, whether it's liking, subscribing, turning notifications on, all of it helps grow this channel and I appreciate the heck out of it. So until next time, I'll see you all tomorrow with some more stories. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.